Have you ever wanted to connect with someone, but you stopped yourself? Excuses to Connect is a podcast about actively creating the conditions that make meaningful connections easier. In other words, you can make excuses to connect. Join me, Richard Lee Tai, as I have conversations with experts, friends, and strangers on their struggles and successes when it comes to human connections. As a listener, I hope that you can take these insights and find excuses to connect with more people. After all, you never know how any connection can transform your life. Hey there, welcome to the second episode of the Excuses to Connect podcast. I'm so excited to share this project with you. Excuses to Connect is a brand and business around creating the conditions that make meaningful connections easier. The podcast is just one component and I have many more plans down the road. Today is a special episode as I'm joined by Brianne Erickson, who is my personal counselor at the University of Lethbridge over the past few years. I've since graduated and we've officially ended our counseling relationship, but I'm so glad I was able to have her as a guest on my podcast. She shares her perspective as a mental health professional on topics such as making connections and social anxiety, as well as her own experiences of connecting with people and how that has shaped her life. If you want to support what I'm doing, remember to check out the show notes of the episode, where you can find links to the resources mentioned in the episode. You can also check out my website, excusestoconnect.com, and see the other initiatives I'm working on. There's also a link to leave a voice message, as I'd love to hear from listeners. Lastly, there's a link to buy me a coffee. This is a website that supports content creators, and you can donate some money on a one-time or monthly basis to quote-unquote buy me a coffee. Without further ado, let's jump into this episode. So thanks for being here, Brianne. How are you? How are you doing? Thank you, Richard. Yeah, thank you for having me. It's very exciting to be here to talk about some of these topics, especially during COVID times and connecting. So thank you yes, for having me. Definitely. So one question I've I've been curious about since I met you, or just with other counselors too, is just understanding why you wanted to become a counselor. So if you could share with listeners about that. Yeah, definitely. It's actually a question that I get a lot. Rewinding back all the way to when I first um, was in or first graduating from high school, I took some time to kind of reflect on like, what are my personal strengths? um, And what do I dislike the most? And Mm -hmm. math and physics were always something that was really challenging for me. Um, But connecting and like holding some safe space for people to talk, uh, communication skills, uh, listening has just always been natural strengths of mine. Um, But it wasn't straight out out of high school that I knew that becoming a therapist was something that I wanted to do. Mm -hmm. Um, That took some time going into university and um, taking different classes, navigating again, like what I didn't like at university and what I I did really enjoy. Mm -hmm. Um, But it it led me to the career that I am in now of um, being being a counselor at the University of Lethbridge and um, my own private practice as well. So what I enjoy most about the work that I do now, um, what really fuels me is just being able to hold confidential safe space for people to process and talk about, um, you know, some of those like unconscious patterns that keep maybe coming up and getting in the way for them Mm -hmm. uh, in in their day to day. And uh, 
building just like more awareness around those those patterns um that brings me a lot of uh a lot of joy to see then my clients feel like they're living more congruently with how they're wanting to live um, from a place of more choice i guess mm -hmm. Um, I've been sort of using this term counselor and therapist interchangeably, mm -hmm. but I, from your perspective, could you clarify if there's, if there is any sort of difference there? Yeah, it's just like, that's just a title, really. Um, counselor, therapist, um, psychologist, clinical social worker. Um, mm -hmm. I think it just is it's all dependent on people's like background and um, credentials. Like you can only call yourself a registered clinical social worker if you have done the schooling and um, right. supervision to get that as well as like a psychologist as well. Um, but often psychologists and clinical social workers uh, use the term counselor or therapist or psychotherapist. So they're kind of, you can use them interchangeably. It's confusing that, though. <laughs> <laughs> no, that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. One of the reasons that I went to counseling is I had attended a workshop previously about mental health and at that time I had the misconception that only people with something quote-unquote wrong with them could go to mm. counseling right that I needed to be in some sort of crisis then mm -hmm. I go to counseling but mm -hmm. I, I learned in that workshop like anyone can benefit from it and that even people that are doing fairly well in their life right now can benefit from counseling because yeah. it just helps regulate where you yeah. are so that was my decision to go seek counseling. And then during one of our first sessions, I remember we had this analogy of men mental health is like a house, which mm -hmm. is great. I've, <laughs> I've uh, developed this analogy so much. Um, I don't know if you, you want to, if you remember that sort yes. of conversation, because yeah. I think it's a helpful analogy for listeners as well. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I, I, I'll describe it and then... <laughs> if you remember any other bits and pieces too but um sure. I remember you saying to me it's like if your house is on fire then that's an emergency and you have to put out the fire before you can do anything else mm -hmm. but if you come in with one of your rooms that you'd like to renovate then you can focus on that so because I wasn't coming in with a crisis I was doing fairly okay. Um, I had the opportunity to focus on specific areas in my life for improvement. And mm -hmm. over my three years coming out of it, coming out of counseling, it's like, I feel so much, I have so much more clarity and confidence. Yeah. So yeah, thanks. Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah. Well, that speaks to the work that you did too. But um, yeah, like I use that, I use that analogy of a home a lot with my clients. It's just something that I made up. So it seems mm -hmm. to work and it seems to land for people that like absolutely like counseling can be accessed in times of crisis. So if our mental health is like a home, um, think of it as like your, that home being on fire a little bit. And we can use counseling to help kind of put out that fire and get resources to deal with like those emergent crisis. Mm -hmm. um, but that is more emergency focused. And I think really beautiful work actually can come from when people access counseling uh, from a space of like, yeah, exactly like you said, there's there's an area of my home that I would like to renovate or update a little bit. Mm -hmm. And um, that can actually lead to even more meaningful work, honestly, than when we're in crisis, because we're in more of like a mental space where we're able to be more like observant and like build on like that self-awareness and uh, more in a state 
that we're able to maybe make some some of those uh, subtle changes. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I know uh, working with university students and having gradu recently graduated from university, they go through quite a lot <laughs> of different yeah. stressors of balancing Absolutely. their academics and social life and finances and anything else that can be going on. And it can mm -hmm. feel very overwhelming and isolating. So for those sort of folks, like what strategies can these people take to connect with themselves or connect with mm -hmm. other supports? Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, well, I think there's there's different strategies um, that we can consider when we wanna connect with ourself. Um, and then there's gonna be different strategies in connecting with others. So maybe I'll speak to connecting with yourself first a little mm -hmm. bit. Yeah. Um, so sometimes it can feel a little bit scary, I think, for us to connect more with ourselves. Um, mm -hmm. Like the analogy of um, sometimes people are like, oh, you know, like going inward and connecting more with myself might feel not just like a little trickle of rain, but it actually feels like more like we're in a tsunami. Mm. Um, so it feels like it's too much too quickly. And so if that feels like the case for, for your listeners, like I would just suggest that sometimes that's a really nice opportunity to then ask for a counselor to be involved in that connection with self because um, we're trained to help kind of monitor and gauge if things are starting to feel really overwhelming and um, we talk about like popping out of like our window of tolerance so when we're we're too overwhelmed we're in that tsunami of feeling mm -hmm. and we actually can't do really good work or really good processing when we are totally flooded so doing that work with a counselor can actually be a lot safer. It could feel more grounding and um, safe to, to explore. Um, but if, if that feels safe for people to take mm -hmm. some time and just connect with themselves, um, you could do that lots of ways. Like journaling is a really beautiful option. Um, there's lots of journaling prompts online that you can look up to. Um, also, self-compassion is a big one. So um, there's actually a really great website called selfcompassion.org and there is um, like lists of practices on there. I'm not sure if that's um, something you're familiar yeah, with. Yeah, I, I can sure, pop yeah. in a bit here. Yeah, uh, yeah. Yes, the, one of the leading researchers in this field of self-compassion is Kristen Neff. Yeah. And this website that Brianne's referring to is also her website. So it has a bunch of resources on what self-compassion is, uh, along with some guided meditations, which, which I have used before. But basically, mm -hmm. this whole idea of self-compassion is we tend to demonstrate compassion to other people when they're going through something tough, but we tend to be very critical or beat ourselves up when we're going through something difficult. Yeah. So it's, it's this whole practice of giving ourselves kindness and recognizing that our common humanity, of the, there's other people that are going through something similar mm -hmm. and we can be more gentle with ourselves. So yeah. yeah. I'll pass yeah. it back to you. <laughs> yeah, it, it's it's a proven way to just like help us accept ourselves and build inner strength and and really thrive. So mm -hmm. that's a it's a great website to check out. Um, and it incorporates, like you said, mindfulness practice. There's a lot of different apps that you can look into too to help with guided meditations or mindfulness practices as well. One that I really like is called Insight Timer. It's free. 
and mm -hmm. uh, has a lot of great resources on there. Um, to add on to that, though, just like connecting with yourself is to take some time to explore passions and values, your life vision, really like the direction of your heart. Where is your heart trying to pull you? What fuels you? What thrives you? What, what, what drives you, I guess? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I have more to add to this health analogy. So it's, sometimes it's on fire, but sometimes it can feel like a flood as well. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, like, as you put it, like all these different emotions and being gentle with yourself and going at your a pace mm -hmm. that feels right to you. Yeah, yeah, exactly. We can slow down the construction at times yes. <laughs> in our home. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, one other point that I wanted to expand upon is like counseling or therapy is the space where people can feel like they're seen and heard mm -hmm. and excuses to connect is about like the many ways that we can connect with people and the different mm -hmm. types of connections that can be formed because mm -hmm. I know certainly one of the things I really enjoyed about counseling was it's a full hour for myself it's yeah. it's me time it's Richard yes. time for me yes. to share and have someone else's undivided attention whatever yeah. I bring up so mm -hmm. and I think that's ultimately what people are looking for when they want to have meaningful connections in their life this feeling of being seen and heard so mm -hmm. what are what are your thoughts on this yeah I I completely agree it, it kind of goes back to like why why do I do what I do as a therapist and um I, I think especially nowadays um people are lacking a lot of those kinds of relationships where they can really truly feel seen and heard. Um, and, and even if we do have like really good connections in our life, sometimes it's nice to have like an unbiased confidential space where we can just really be about us and mm -hmm. have time to reflect. Um, so holding a counseling space doing that as a job it's just such an honor to be able to hold that kind of space for people to feel like they can trust you and um just understand themselves more and yeah it's yeah. it's it's a it's a really beautiful space to hold for people so yeah, yeah. um i wanted to speak a little bit to like the building connection uh with others though mm -hmm. not just ourselves and I, counseling, I guess, is one way of reaching out and connecting with others as well. But um, that could also look like volunteering, um, getting part of like clubs. So I work in a university setting. So there's lots of clubs on campus that people can get connected to as well. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, making making time in your schedule. I think a lot of university students are really busy and they have lots on the go but making it a real priority to fit that time into your schedule to um go out and meet people do things that are outside of your comfort zone um facetime that friend make a phone call mm -hmm. um, yeah yeah i wanted to i'll keep expanding on this too mm -hmm. I can imagine that there are some listeners that want to do this, want to connect with more people, but there's some form of anxiety of like mm -hmm. social anxiety that's making it difficult to take these steps um, yeah. to go to these events or join a club and that sort of thing. So what sort of, what, what are your comments or thoughts about that? Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, um, a few things. So anxiety or social anxiety 
really what that is, is like our brain is telling us that there, there's a perceived threat there. Um, so maybe that threat is more in regards to like our ego a bit. So, you know, if people are going to be judging me or people might be watching me or I'm, I'm going to do something embarrassing and, mm-hmm. and uh, then what people are going to say about me. Right. So there's, there's a, there's a perceived threat that is involved in maybe engaging more socially um, that stops people from reaching out. And the, the, tough part of that is is that every time we avoid a situation that there is a perceived threat our brain will release some dopamine like the feel good like pleasure chemical Mm -hmm. it's almost like we get like a little bit of like a pat on our back like Mm -hmm. whoa good for us like we avoided that scary situation and it feels good like it feels good in the moment very short term Mm -hmm. but long term then that builds like that isolation and that sense of loneliness right so um i think we have to just like acknowledge that like there's gonna be some anxiety going into any new situation and that that is normal and that that anxiety is actually um trying to protect us or or even just like maybe that anxiety is masked it's more excitement to to meet new people viewing our anxiety in like in a positive light rather than just like oh I'm feeling anxious so that must mean that I you know I shouldn't go Mm -hmm. so then it's a it's a little bit of so it's a little bit of pushing ourselves so use like this image of of jumping into a pool the first Mm -hmm. time we jump into a pool like there's that initial shock it's like oh my gosh like this feels so cold like what am I doing (laughs) um but after a while and we are in the pool we get acclimated to that and it doesn't feel as scary Mm -hmm. so I think we have to break things down sometimes into smaller steps to help us uh, get into those social settings. Um, or sometimes it is just a full jump into that pool, just just forcing ourselves to to go into these different situations um, so we could get more used to them and acclimate it. Right. Yeah. yeah. One other analogy or strategy that I remember was brought up between us too was this idea of a ladder of like yes. a, a, I don't know if it's like called a fear ladder or what mm-hmm. the, the proper technical term is, but this idea mm-hmm. where we can set like what what is our goal or like ideal situation and mm-hmm. set that as a goal. And then imagine that there's different rungs of this ladder that you can slowly take to get to that longer term goal. Because you're right where if something's way too outside of our comfort zone, our own sort of mind and inertia stops ourselves because like mm-hmm. we, we perceive that as too difficult to take yeah. but if it's framed in a way it's like what's the first rung there like how do I get to that first level there and what's the little bit I could step outside of my comfort zone mm-hmm. and then once you're comfortable with that level like then like climbing up to the second step of the ladder and so on so mm-hmm. I found that a very helpful way to break things down too yeah 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 exactly um we do call it like well, I, at least I call it like a fear ladder so breaking <laughs> it 
breaking the ultimate goal down into really uh, tangible steps. So if the example is like public speaking, which is like mm-hmm. a huge, huge anxiety yeah. <laughs> driving yeah, uh, yeah, for people. So if we can break that down into much smaller steps, um, so let's say public speaking, going out and talking in front of people for a TED talk right now would feel like a 10 out of 10 anxiety. Okay, well, you probably, I mean, you can, you could just go and jump into that. I'm not saying you can't, you definitely could. It just, that might feel so intimidating that we keep putting it off and off and off, right? Mm-hmm. So the fear ladder is a nice way of breaking things down um, to help you build your confidence to get to that point. So maybe um, what feels like, what feels like a one out of 10 mm-hmm. in terms of that level of anxiety? Maybe it's just like, texting a friend hello and starting a conversation through text message mm-hmm. maybe that feels like a one out of ten right now okay and then I tell my clients okay do that as much as you possibly can like not just once a day not just once a week right exposing yourself to whatever your one out of ten is as much as you can so you get more acclimated to that and then moving up the ladder to okay what felt like a two out of ten mm-hmm. and then moving on what felt like a three out of ten slowly building your way to that ultimate goal yeah it's yeah. uh there's so many analogies i love analogies <laughs> all these images <laughs> yeah because uh another book that i quite like is called atomic habits by james clear and he yeah. there's quite a lot of helpful analogies there but uh, one of them that sticks in my head is imagine you're voting there's two different boxes and the boxes are for like one box is like for the type of identity that you want, like the type of person that you want to be. Mm-hmm. Um, and every time you perform a habit or behavior that reinforces that identity, it's like putting another vote in that box. Mm-hmm. And the thing with voting, it's like, you don't need 100% of the votes to win the election. You just need more than 50%. So it's about mm-hmm. this consistency and gives you this room for self-compassion too, where it's like, there will be times where you still end up stopping yourself and you 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 wish you did something but you didn't follow through with it and that's okay yeah. because yeah. as long as you're putting more and more of these votes towards this identity that you want mm-hmm. to shape eventually that is who you become because mm-hmm. you're you have this mountain of ev- or this tri- trail of evidence of like I have done this before yes. in this situation and it was okay. So Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I love that. That's a great way of putting it. Um mm-hmm. doesn't have to be like 100% of the time that we're always like pushing ourselves in that regard, but yep. um to be I think you're bringing in like a, a really mindful component of that is just being aware of how am I trying to create a little bit of change if if connecting is something that is important to me, how mm-hmm. could I just take small little tiny steps to try and to engage in that more in my life yeah we just talked about overcoming these sort of struggles when it comes to connecting with people and Mm -hmm. I know you have some personal experience around this too when you were in university Mm -hmm. so I wonder if you could share what that experience was like learning to connect with people yeah yeah um so I moved from a small town to Lethbridge to go to university and I 
had an assumption that meeting people would be super easy. Like I'm coming to university, like I'm going to make all these friends. And then I got to university and I realized that, oh my goodness, these classes have like 250 people in them. And um, this is a lot harder to make those connections than I anticipated. Um, So it, it took a little while for me to kind of come around to realizing like okay just showing up for class and leaving and going back to my house um, was not building the kinds of connections that I was hoping for Mm -hmm. so I was like I have to do something different so what are those small changes going to be that are going to help me build more of a network here and some of those ways that I um, created changes was around uh just putting myself out there into into different situations to meet new people that normally wouldn't be in my comfort zone so i volunteered um i went with a group to nepal and did uh, a volunteer experience there for a whole month that was a really great way meeting people yeah um i also just like got involved in some clubs on campus, went to some of the campus events. Uh, the campus has lots of really great events like Fresh Fest and stuff that mm-hmm. um, we can get engaged with. Um, I really made an effort every single time I went to a class. Didn't matter who was sitting next to me. I made a conscious effort of I'm going to introduce myself. Mm-hmm. And I just went into those situations, just reminding myself, because there was obviously anxiety there, like, oh my goodness, like, I don't know these people, like, are they going to want to talk to me, (laughs) right? Like, there's that ego talking. Um, And I just paused, and I went, you know what? I'm new, I want to connect, I bet you that other people around me are wanting the same thing, they're just maybe afraid to do that. So I forced myself into just saying hi to the people next to me in class, and starting a conversation, really. Yeah. And how did that turn out? <laughs> Great. Um, I mean, like for some, sometimes like, you know, the relationship didn't go much farther than just the conversation right. then, but um, it really, really helped me feel much more involved in my university experience. It helped me network uh, and it led to um, lasting relationships that I still have today. Mm-hmm. Had I not just taken that kind of leap of faith, that jump into the pool of putting myself out there and uh, trying trying to connect with people. So, awesome. yeah, it's helped yeah, in I, many ways. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I see this as like a perfect example of this excuses to connect idea. Because it's like, mm-hmm. what are the ways we can design a social interaction or just like the conditions there to make it easier for yourself yeah. and the strategy you used here which I think is very powerful just setting that intention because mm-hmm. so much of it as you're talking about before this anxiety comes from a perceived threat mm-hmm. and if there's ways you can slowly change your perception of things where you said like oh these students probably want to connect too mm-hmm. right it helps yeah. uh, lessen that sort of psychological distance that might be there because yeah. that's yeah. what causes these barriers for Mm -hmm. us to actually connect with Mm -hmm. someone so yeah cool yeah Yeah. very cool yeah Yeah. so I guess on the flip side of that um could you share some of your successes when it you've had when it comes to connecting with people or connecting people together whether that's in your personal life or your professional life as working as a counselor Mm -hmm. 
yeah, so yeah, successes in connecting. Back in my university days, putting myself out there, like that led to a lot of success and just building mm-hmm. more of a network around me. Um, but it's it's also carried into my work now. So um building different ways of helping helping now students connect with one another. And mm-hmm. I know you did a lot of work around that too at the university, Richard, but mm-hmm. um, in terms of like helping people connect now in uh, my career, we offer lots of different types of groups as well, um, which is a really great way of um, getting people to uh, build meaningful connections with people and also building the connection with ourself more as well. Um, Groups can feel really intimidating at first, counseling groups can for people, Mm -hmm. Uh, but actually research shows that the number one way to combat social anxiety is to expose ourselves to more social situations. Mm -hmm. And we can't necessarily do that in one-on-one counseling. Um, That comes from more of like a a group model approach so there's lovely groups offered at the university um there's one actually specifically called connecting with self and others (laughs) (laughs) um so that's a nice way to kind of dip your toes into meeting new people who are also showing up because they want to meet people and they want to get to know themselves more so you're all there with the same like intention Mm -hmm. um yeah. yeah. So, so building building opportunities like within our workspace now where students can can connect has been really successful. Yeah, um, I have been yeah. part of that connecting with self and others group. Yeah. And yeah, just speaking from personal experience, one of the most common phrases I heard is like, I thought it was just me. <laughs> like mm-hmm. I thought it was just me going through this. <laughs> and it's not the case. It's no. like, oh, like with me sharing my experiences and other people sharing their experiences it's like oh we go through very similar struggles and and things but we've just sort of we haven't realized that and that's what makes it isolating where we think we're just going through something alone but it's it's not the case no and like how incredibly then normalizing and validating to hear that from your peers Mm -hmm. yeah Yeah. and I know uh one other thing that uh has sort of emerged in this COVID world is uh, like online counseling. And uh, I know you've been developing your own online private practice. So Mm -hmm. can you share a bit about that? Yeah, yeah. Um, So before the pandemic, I think counseling was really viewed as like an in-person service and Mm -hmm. COVID has uh, challenged us therapists to expand and be able to connect still in different ways um, with our clientele in a safe way. Mm -hmm. So um, a part of that, well, at the university and in my private practice has been, we, we transitioned to an online format of, of therapy within like a day. It was really, really fast. Mm-hmm. Um, but what we've noticed is that like, there's actually a lot of benefits to doing online counseling. Uh, it breaks down a lot of barriers in connecting. Uh, right. Big ones being like, like accessibility to services. So mm-hmm. it can sometimes fit better in people's schedules, knowing that they don't have to commute to like an, uh, an agency to come and meet their therapist. Um, 
confidentiality is another big one. So we can try and protect people's confidentiality as much as we can um, when they're coming into a building. But ultimately, if you're doing counseling from the privacy of your own home, that's that's much more confidential in terms of people seeing you go into a building. Right. right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. I've also found that online counseling has been really comfortable for people. Like they can settle because they're in their home. They, they are familiar with their surroundings. It's very grounding for them. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it hasn't been too much of a barrier. In fact, I think it's like it's broken down barriers for people. Um, yeah. yeah. It's been very interesting because I've also, I mean, I never heard of what Zoom was until we started using <laughs> right? Zoom for everything but now I mean even I've found so many different ways to connect with people online that I just never thought of before because I think I used to have the mindset that I'm just I'm just limited by my geography like Mm -hmm. I can only know other people in the same city or school as Mm -hmm. me which is not the case because (laughs) with technology you can go to online events you can access online counseling Mm -hmm. and all these sort of opportunities that are there to it's just a click away and I can just connect with people around the world so I think that's been super eye-opening as well and perhaps something I'll carry forward with me even as things start to open up more to in-person stuff yeah yeah I think a lot of places are considering that too like how how they could continue offering service um maybe in in a blended model both in person for those who would like to to be coming in person but also offering those services online as well his research also shows um in a in a therapeutic setting that counseling online is just as uh therapeutic and effective as in-person therapy Mm-hmm. So it just gives people more options. And like you said, even like as professionals, the ability to network with even more people around the world, different professional development we can access without the travel time and the cost of that. There's there's a lot of benefits to it. Yeah. Well, yeah. I feel like this has been a very upli- uplifting conversation. <laughs> yeah, me too. And, um, for listeners that want to find out more about you or follow you or contact you where would you recommend they mm-hmm. I can direct them towards yeah I have a website um albertamentalhealth.com and there is a contact section on that website that uh, you can email me and link up um that's my private practice information um for university students attending the U of L, yep. <laughs> uh, you can yeah you can contact uh counseling uh yeah counseling dot services at uleth.ca is yep. <laughs> mouthful um and counseling is free through the university if you are a enrolled student and we have a fabulous team there waiting to support you guys and whatever needs you may have so yeah both those emails I think um, if you're looking for private practice um, or if you're a student and you're wanting to access us through the university yeah awesome I'll make sure to include that in the description of the episode I remember I mean i I took advantage of the counseling and the sense was like, yes, it's included in my student fees already. So I've got to, I've got to go. I went to, yeah, one-on-one counseling, obviously, but also group counseling and workshops too. So I think, again, just repeating what I had said earlier about anyone can benefit 
from counseling. Yeah. And I think I just had a lot of initial fear or I guess the surrounding stigma there of like only, mm -hmm. like you can only go see counseling for certain reasons, but it's not not the case because no. I, I really benefited from it. Um, yeah. Yeah, a lot of people feel that way. Like my struggles mm -hmm. aren't serious enough to access counseling. And that's just such a myth. Like it can't, like we talked about earlier, counseling can be um, to create change in your life in, in many different ways. So some people want to come once a month and others want to um, be able to come to services a little bit more frequently than that. And that's something that, you know, you can work out with your counselor based on their availability and mandate concerns and stuff as well but mm -hmm. um you can you can use counseling for what you need awesome yeah. one standard questions i like to ask guests is just how is connecting with people transformed your life because mm -hmm. i know you have touched on it earlier about meeting people in university who then became lifelong friends as well mm -hmm. and going on this volunteering trip and all these sort of mm -hmm. opportunities so mm -hmm. I guess that just really shows that if you take these little steps outside of your comfort zone and climb this fear ladder, that it can really transform your life. So as a closing message, um, yeah, if you could share your thoughts on how connecting with people has transformed your life. Yeah, um, transformed my life in the sense of um, just building building a network, um, whether that's in my professional world, um, connecting in my career, um, opening up new opportunities to explore different interests and passions and hobbies. Um, like you said, developing lasting friendships as well. Um, but more so than anything, like connecting, uh, putting energy into building a network around me um, and this goes for everybody is it is such an important um, factor in building resiliency mm -hmm. uh, for our mental health um, it helps combat so many mental health struggles um, and is just it, it's incredibly powerful like how having having a network that we know like a web of support around us mm -hmm. um how that can just like offset um like a lot a lot of struggles in our life um and it also helps us and when we're connecting with others uh be able to connect the people in our life with other people as well um so building resources and in, in their lives too. So if they're right. struggling, we have more people that we can point to and say, hey, this worked for me, mm -hmm. um, might work for you. Right. So, yeah. Yeah, I, I like this support network idea because I mean, I've seen it play out in my own life where, um, yeah, like certainly I have my supports of friends and family and so on, mm -hmm. but having a counselor is also another support Mm -hmm. another node in the support network and teachers mm -hmm. and so on where it's like mm -hmm. if any of these support pieces mm -hmm. do leave suddenly for one reason or another there's still other people you can fall back upon yeah. and rely on to help you through whatever you're going through so yeah yeah, yeah. and then that way too we don't burn out just one person mm -hmm. like we never just want just one person that we're leaning on and we're always going to although one person is better than nobody but we yeah. ideally like 
we want to try and build and and we have to be an active part in that building of that web around us um and that can look like many different people like you've mentioned professionals friends family coaches mm -hmm. yeah yeah teachers so. yes so hopefully listeners coming out of this episode can have some new ideas or just new ways of thinking of things mm -hmm. um that they could hopefully implement to start building mm -hmm. more of these connections yeah and definitely i'm i'm we'll see where it takes you <laughs> again it's like yeah. this, this tagline of you never know how any connection can transform your life so mm -hmm. i very genuinely believe in that mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. Absolutely. well thank you brianne so much for being part of this episode it's great yes. chatting thank with you. you for having me richard i appreciate it thanks so much for listening to the podcast remember to check out the show notes of the episode where you can find a link to my website excuses to connect.com there, you can find out the other initiatives that I'm working on. The intro and outro music were written by Megan Rennie. You can check out her Instagram and SoundCloud in the show notes. There are also links to leave a voice message, as I'd love to hear from listeners. You can leave a comment or ask a question that might be featured in a future episode. Lastly, there's a link to Buy Me a Coffee. This is a website that supports content creators, where you can donate some money on a one-time or monthly basis. If you love what I'm doing and want to support, you can buy me a metaphorical coffee. Finding excuses to connect is what I love to do, what I'm good at, and what I think the world needs more of. Consider sharing this podcast with anyone who might benefit from it. I hope you have a wonderful day and make some new connections. After all, you never know how any connection can transform your life. <laughs>